Hello, Steve. Yeah, hey, uh, Ricky. Hey, how are you, man? I'm all right, thank you. I'm glad we finally were able to uh, to meet up. Praise the Lord, praise the Lord. I'm real excited about being here, man. I'm glad to have you. And, and ladies and gentlemen, uh, for those who are listening, we have Ricky's Move Morris. He is a Pittsburgh-based comedian. So we're glad to have him. And uh, how's uh, how was your weekend? Oh, my weekend was great. I mean, I'm getting, you know, getting ready for this tour to go and come right back tour volume one. Um, I've been spending a lot of time getting that together. Uh, when I'm not doing that, I'm taking care of my three my three cats. I got White Sox, Oreo, who's a he's a Tom, not a Tom cat, he's a Maine Coon. And he's big. And I got Shadow. And then, you know, I'm also dealing with my 15-year-old daughter. Yeah, she's, uh, I'm working with her on a project. She goes by the name of BBG. And uh, she's she going to change the face of hip-hop. It won't be the same by the time she come out. And, you know, then I'm taking care of my lovely wife, Erica. So my weekends, you know, they be full. Oh, no, I de- definitely sounds you have a... A lot of things going on. And I hate to tell you, man, but with the sunglasses on and listening to your voice, I don't you remind me of Snoop Dogg a little. Really? Yeah. <laughs> I would think that's a compliment because I that's a first. I've heard people say that I had one lady say I look like Billy D. Williams from a you know, which wow, really Billy D? All right, I'll take that. I've had people say I look like Eddie Murphy a little bit. Um, I've had people say that I sound a little bit like Chris Rock when I'm doing my comedy, which is one of my biggest idols. I would love to do a movie with him. Uh, you know, I've had people say I look like Dwayne Wade from uh, A Different World. So I'll just add that to the list. I'll take that as a compliment. No, it is a compliment. I, I happen to like Snoop Dogg a lot. I like I love listening to him. I like his style. Yeah, I like Snoop, too. Snoop is a... Uh, He's out there. I remember when he first came out with uh, Doggy Style. And to be honest, to be honest, I did not think that I did not think that he was going to be as big as he did well, as he is now. But then again, you know, if those if you remember, he got him, he got caught up in a murder in a murder case. You know, when I saw the case that he gave me, that's a true story. You know, so was, what was that in the nineties? Yeah. And I, I first go ahead. And I and I think that after he uh got lucky and he did get lucky and got off and got a, was able to get away from that murder trial, I think that the light came on. He was like, Look, I need to take this talent and do something productive with it. You know what I mean? And he done that, you know. He left death row. And he went on to be with Master P and some other people. So Snoop come a long way. I, I first became familiar with him when he played that role in the wheelchair in Training Day. Yeah, I liked him in that. Yeah, <laughs> I liked him. <laughs> and then I think he travels to, to Jamaica and he smokes these big spliffs with these Rastafarians on his videos. Actually, not many people know this, but uh, he uh, he got a reg- he got a little reggae uh, a, a reggae CD out. He goes by the name of Snoop Lion. Oh wow! Yeah. So, so you see, uh, you're, you're up on your music with your daughter too. You have to be up with the latest styles. 
Uh, no. <laughs> I've learned the hard way to be mindful of what what we watch and what we listen to because uh, I watched a movie with my daughter one time. It was a YouTube movie. And she said, and the movie was called Megan is Missing. And it was based on a true story. And ooh, it gave me nightmares for like three weeks straight. And she thought I was a overbearing, overprotective parent. Then that ain't do nothing but crank up in two notches. And she likes she likes a different type of hip hop that I I'm accustomed to. You know, once I I'm a I know music from the sixties up to probably about two thousands. That's about it. After that I'm lost. I I couldn't tell you who was Young Z. I couldn't tell you who's doing what. I couldn't, you know, I couldn't really tell you all that. And then on top of that, music has changed since I grew up. You know, I'm 48 years old, and I I grew up with the old school, uh, New Edition and The Temptations and you know stuff like that. These guys now, I couldn't tell you who they are and what they do. Yeah, I'm 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 yeah, I'm a little bit older than you, so I I can relate to uh anything like I said up till. Maybe in nineteen ninety, I know ninety two, right, right. And you're right. Um, I mean, I mean, today's folks they appreciate the music. I, I just don't like it because there's not as much instrument. It's just strictly voice today. And then you know, and to be honest, I was uh, a couple of weeks ago. I took my daughter to um, a, a mixer to get her. You know, I'm trying to promote her, get her out there. And get to know some people and stuff. And I was talking to this one guy from a certain radio station. And I'm like, uh, who listens to the radio? Like, you know, good old fashioned. This is ABCD radio coming from you. You know, who listens to the radio anymore? It's now podcasts and YouTube and uh, what else? What's the other one? Uh, I don't know, TikTok and. Uh, yeah. Uh, yeah, but what? Parlor and Pinterest and. Right, Instagram. Uh, my favorite, you know, the one I like to listen to is iHeart. I like to listen to Casey Kasem's classic top 40s from back in the day, and I learned a lot from that, you know. Um, and I just do that when I'm at work, you know, because you know, I work at uh, I'm retired, but I work at the labor pool so I can finance this uh tour, and that helps, you know, I, while I'm listening to him. Hi, this is Casey Kasem, and these are the top 40 hits. And I'm like, wow, 1985, where was I at 1985? Or, you know, that kind of thing. So, like, I can't tell you the last time I listened to radio. A lot of people don't know. I think he's Lebanese or Moroccan, some, like, exotic uh, country he comes from. You know what? Him and Dick Clark, they, like, they never grew up. They just was born. They got on the radio and or TV. And then, you know, they passed away. You know, I don't (laughs) They they was like the oldest teenagers ever, you know. Do do you see yourself doing radio one day? I can. I mean, I could see myself doing radio. Uh, me like I'm like Snoop. I'm trying to get out there any way I can, you know. Uh, but yeah, I could see myself doing radio. Um, in fact, the quiet is kept. I used to do an internet radio with a uh, W H H A. Make You Smile Radio, uh, Make You Smile was a TV show, and I had got on, I got started with that. Oh, let me see how that came about. 
I call I was looking for a venue to perform in. This was back in 2006, seven. I was looking for a venue to perform in. So I went on the net and I came across a group called the Southside Family. And they asked, you know, they let me come out as a guest. Then I came out again as a guest. Then it was like, how about you guest host? Then I guest host a couple of times. Then they was like, we're gonna make you permanent co-host. And you know, we uh it was a pretty good show. We had to cut it short and we had to cut it short for one reason or another. You know, um it was an unfortunate incident, but uh it was a pretty good show. I was very proud of being a part of that. No, that's good. I, I, try to mix it up if you can. Get involved. You know, work as many projects as you can. Right, right. Because uh, projects pay the bills. I'm <laughs> keeping real with you. They pay the bills, and I'm trying to get me a Camaro. That's my. That's my. That's one of the reasons why I wanted to go to comedy because I want to get me a Camaro. Oh, uh, I mean, like a like a 1978 Camaro or a new one. Uh I'm not sure yet. But more likely, my first one is probably the one I can afford. <laughs> I'm going to keep it real. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, a, a nice Camaro. And uh, I'm going to soup it up real nice and decent. I've been looking online and stuff like that. Just do, like, window shop. Uh, I'm going to need, like, a good $80,000 just to come off the lot by the time I'm done with my the way I wanted it done. Well, that's definitely attainable. I mean, people make millions in showbiz. Why shouldn't you have a hundred thousand dollars? Right, right. And, and then you have course, Go ahead. And then, of course, you know, I want to take care of the family and everything, and those who've been with me from day one, you know, that kind of thing. So, yeah, that's a goal to it. That's my goal that I uh, that I have for myself. No, of course, of course, it all sounds very noble, and you have quite a. Um, a resume of places that you've performed, like including uh, the Comics Roadhouse in Connecticut. Yeah, yeah. I'm glad you mentioned that because I'll be going. That'll be my first time being there. Uh, I'll be. That's like my second stop, and then go and come right back to our volume one. Um, October 30th, I'll be at uh, Patsy's Bar and Grill in Newcastle, Pennsylvania. I love going out to Newcastle. They this be my fourth time being there. Uh, they showed me a lot of love out there, so. I'd like to go out there, support Newcastle comedy and, you know, pay my respect to those who give me the love back. And then from there, November 4th, I'll be at Yukonsville, Connecticut at the Mohegan Sun Casino. Never did a show at a casino. And people are telling me, oh, that's a nice casino. And it's nice. And I'm real excited about that. And then the t- November 5th, to finish the tour, I'll be at the stand-up lounge in New York City. Uh, yeah. And that's I'm real excited about that because that's New York City. Like, you know, that's like one step closer to going to Madison Square Garden and doing a Netflix special. So I'm really excited about that. That's big news because in New York City is so much competition. Yeah. And Aquas is kept. I believe things happen for a reason, you know, because um, he didn't they didn't call me. I called them and I called it quite, you know, I. Reached out, cold called to a lot of different places, and these were the fellows that was willing to give me opportunity to branch out from Pittsburgh, you know, and to do other things. And it so happened that one day found uh, lined up behind another. I was like, you know what? That's not like a tour because I'm doing a show like a couple of days before. And I was like, that's not like a tour, you know. It's not like I'm catching a cab and going to across town. I'm going in a train because I don't fly, never flew. I'm kind of scared. 
You know, I'm going on a train to a whole other city halfway up the eastern seaboard. That sounds like a tour to me. And then I'm going to New York City. Yeah, that sounds like a tour. In fact, it is a tour. It's my tour, you know. So that's how the, the Go and Come Right Back tour came about. Well, yeah, well, you write your own destiny. You know, I, I do have a website. You know, I'm working on getting a new one together, but people can reach me on my Facebook page, R-I-C-K-Y-S-M-O-O-V-E, Morris, M-O-R-I-S. Um, they can check me out on YouTube, Ricky Smooth, R-I-C-K-Y-S-M-O-O-V-E, exclamation point, exclamation point. You know, I got some videos on YouTube. Uh, I got um, I got a recording on Spotify, The King of Weird this, scramble the letters around. Um, so that's where people can catch me. And then again, you go on my Facebook page, there's always up to the latest information about what's going on with Ricky Smooth, and then also what's going on with BBG, because again, Black Diamond Syndicate, which is my multimedia company, is being creative consultant for uh, BBG, with the help of Flawless Records. So, yeah, that's where um, you can catch me at. That's good. You're self-producing. Uh, and uh, yeah, I checked out the King of Weird shit. I like the the skit with a, the five-year-old sitting on the porch and, and uh, grandpa smoking a joint. You know what? That's one of my favorites. A lot of people be saying, <laughs> do that joke, do that joke. You know, and I got to be careful because sometimes, you know, with, with music, you can sing the same song over and over again. People are like, oh, yeah, that's my jam. But with comedy, you can't really say the same joke over and over again. They get kind of bored and watered down. So I, I try to put a little spin on it. You know, it depends on the venue. When I got five minutes or whatever, uh, you get the quick version. But then when I got, you know, some time to really develop the story, because when I tell jokes, I try to tell a story. Then I can really get into it. A lot of people like that joke. I, you know, it's okay, fine. But after a while, I get tired of saying that joke. But if it's not going to pay the bills, then that's what's going to pay the bills, you know. Yeah, it depends. The audience is different. And, yeah, it, um, it's important to keep the audience engaged. So if, uh, if telling a story keeps them engaged, then keep doing it. Right, right, right. Again, even though I've been doing this since 2003, off and on, I'm still a novice. I'm still learning, and I'm open to learn new new ideas and try new things. Um, yesterday, I was uh, going into the studio. Uh, shout out to Flawless Records one more time. And uh, I want to redo uh, LL Cool J's I'm Bad, but saying I'm bad, I'm smooth. And we're working on trying to, try to figure out how we could do that. Yeah, definitely. If you, if you can mix music into I love when people mix music and comedy all the time. Well, again, you have... See, comedy is a matter of interpretation. Not everything's for everybody, you know. But see, the thing is, somebody once told me, you got two things in this world. You got your word and you got your sense of humor. And without either or, without them both, you're not going to succeed far in life. The word means like the truth, your inner truth. Is that what you mean? That and the fact that if I say I'm going to be somewhere, I'm going to be there and be on time and be professional. If I say, you know, I will help you. I will be, keep my word and help you as best as I can. You know, um, I know yeah, a lot the, of people and a lot of stuff. I'm, I'm finding out, you know, when you really need people that sometimes people, they mean well, but they don't keep their word. You know, when people say, 
if you need anything, just let me know. I'll give, give me a call. So I come back with, okay, I need, I can use a Whopper Junior with cheese, extra pickle, you know. And if they can do that, then I know I can count on them. They're like, oh, well, you know, uh, uh, then you're, you're talking just to hear yourself talk. You feel me? You know, I, I kind of said that too, Ricky. Um, when I was a telemarketer, you call people's houses and like, may I help you? So I'd say, yeah, I'll have a double cheeseburger, a chocolate shake, and French fries. Oh, man, don't get me started with the telemarketers. I got <laughs> telemarketers calling me. I got five different telemarketers calling me, and they take turns calling me about a car that I don't even own, you know? <laughs> oh, the rob- like, yeah, robocalls, yeah. No, these were, they'd be regular people calling, and uh, sometimes they be calling from overseas, and it's, it's weird because they be like, well, you got a 2000, the warranty on your 2000 Chevrolet, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. And I'm like, really? I didn't even know I had a car like that. But I realized that there are other Richard Morris's. There's like 300 alone in Pennsylvania. And when I lived in North Carolina, I met a Richard Morris. He was a great guy. Well, most Richard Morris's are great guys, you know. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so I realized there's other Richard Morris's, but I'd be like, y'all got the wrong one. But then sometimes they, they call, one time they called back to back. I'm like, you know what? I can fix this. So the next time, they, last, the last time they called me, I turned the porno on. I was like, I'm kind of busy right now, but we could talk if you still want to. I mean, you know, <laughs> they hung up real quick. All right, well, you know. I mean, again, I used to be, I used to be telemarketing. I've done the telemarketing thing. I understand. But the same token, y'all need, people need to get the, they bosses, whoever is in charge needs to get the information straight. Like, how many times can I tell you, yeah, I got the wrong guy? Yeah, I, you know, you really can't do telemarketing today because everybody has caller ID. Like back in the day when I did it, nobody had caller ID. Right. When I so worked, I was- when I did telemarketing, I worked for uh, Reese Brothers. Was that Reese Brothers? No, Dow America. And one time they wanted me to sell uh, Playboy magazine. You know, and I'm calling this 85 year old woman trying to get her to subscribe to Playboy magazine. She's like. Sweetie, uh, that might work if my husband was here, but he just died like two weeks ago. I'm like, oh, man, you know, wow, <laughs> you know. And then, you know, I worked for uh, a lower core customer service, you know, which is a form of telemarketing. And, you know, I came across some weird phone calls where a lady, she's in her 60s and she's trying to hook up her cable box. Here it is. She ain't have it plugged in, you know. <laughs> you know, I understand telemarketing is a, it's a beast, you know. Yeah, I, I learned with those companies that, um, you know, you get, you know, you get fired if you're not meeting your quota. But I learned that, you know, there was so, it was so easy to get another one, like right around the block. So after right. a while, I, I would start being rude back to the customers, and I get fired, and I just get another job down the street. Right, right, right. But yeah, Dial Marco, I I got um I got fired by Dial. I think I got fired by them two times. I, not for being rude, you know, just for not meeting the quotas. Right, right. But uh, you, it's changed. You're, you're right. And then with the pandemic, you know, a lot of people are working from home nowadays. Yeah. Uh, which I, me myself, I. I kind of want to, I'm retired, so to speak, you know, once I get done doing this tour, I'm going to stop working the labor pool for a while, but uh, the working from home thing, I'm not sure if I'm mature enough to do that, because, like, even now, when I'm on the interview with you, you know, I had to fight myself to stop playing my PlayStation, <laughs> you know, to uh, get, 
all right, I got to get in Ricky Spoon mode. I got to get ready for this interview. And, you know, I can't be playing PlayStation and talking on the phone. You know, I, that's not professional. So. <laughs> no, it's okay. I got to go on stage, too. I'm like, oh, shit. I got to, I gotta, you know, be 45 minutes, you know, behave myself and not be chugging beer and doing all my other nonsense, you know, lying around. So I know how you feel. Right. Well, one thing about me, okay, where my material, I let people know my material is NC-17. You know, um, I don't hide the fact that I do marijuana, you know, but it's 2021, you know, we, and then we all grown here. And then on top <laughs> of there, in certain states, it's, it's legal. Uh, you know, I'm in Pennsylvania where we get a medical card. You got to have the medical card to get it, to make it legal, you know. But still, the point being is there was a time when beer was illegal and you see how that worked out. So it's just been a matter of time before people will be out in the open smoking marijuana. I mean, and it's, it's, it's marijuana, you know. God, it's, it's a natural plant, you know. It's not, you know, there's, there are health benefits behind marijuana. So, I mean, once they figure out how to make money off, and that's what it comes down to is how do you tax, how do you get tax money from it? Once they figure that out, you know, I, I see a lot of people walking down the street smoking marijuana in joints like they Newports. I mean, because I'm gonna be one of them. In fact, I, I do it now. I'm gonna keep it real. <laughs> so it's just a balance because if you smoke it all at the beginning of ship, you're gonna be tired. You gotta smoke a little, drink a little coffee. Can't you know do too much at once? You'll crash. Oh, then uh, you know. Also, I find I'm finding out, and I'm not like even though I smoke it, I'm still learning about cannabis. Uh, it depends on the strain. You know, like there's <laughs> a guy I go to up in uh. The medical dispensary, he'd be like, "Okay, well, if you get this, if you get this strain, it'll give you a metal, a metal sensation. If you get this strain, you know, you'll be real energetic. So you got, yeah, know what you know what you're getting, you know. And that's who I go to because uh, you go to these street guys, they be like, yeah, this is great. This is the same thing I got from Johnny right up the street, you know, and he got that from Pete." Up the road. I mean, come on, man. Y'all, y'all tripping, man. So I, I try to stay away from the street guys and go to, you know, the dispensary. And the street guys are assholes too. They blow you off. They make you made a week, and then they, they suddenly when they want to sell stuff, they're calling you, but they're never available when you need them, or they overprice you. I have, you know, I've had some weird experience with them. Like I had one guy. <laughs> I call him at three o'clock, and he's and he's like, "All right, I'll be there in fifteen minutes." Fifteen minutes come to. It's seven thirty, and you ain't get here yet. You know, meanwhile, my man's up the street. His bag might be smaller, but he's more reliable. I'm calling you because you got a bigger bag and blah blah blah. But um, my wife, she uh, she got a friend that you know they used to date and whatever. And I call him, and if I'm really in a pinch and I can't make it to the dispensary, I call him, and I know that uh. He'll hook me up for what I go wholesale prices, and that's only because he still got emotions or whatever, you know, behind my my wife. I'm like, ah, do I really want me bothered with that? But you know what? Whatever it takes to get what I need to get. All right, I'll just suck it up for a minute, laugh and nod, and you know, saying, go about do the transaction, and go about my, go about my business, you know. But the last time we spoke. He was on that drunk weirdness, and he was like, "Man, I miss make you know, I miss your wife." And 
she was the best lover I ever had. Man, you don't be telling me that, you know? Okay, I'm I'm allowing the fact that you're drunk. I'm allowed, <laughs> the, fact that, I'm allowed the fact that you're a little special. But, man, if I was eight pounds, or if I was eight inches taller and about 50 pounds heavier, you wouldn't be telling me how you mess kicking it with my wife and how she used to do this, that. No, man, you only do this because I'm 5'9", 167 pounds, you know, and I, you know, so, all right, I'm going to let that slide this time. <laughs> you know. You make me think about Lorenz Tate in the stairwell scene in Dead Presidents. I haven't seen that movie in years. Well, he remember he was in Vietnam and the Marines? Yeah, yeah, yeah. While he was gone, a pimp was messing around with his wife? Yeah, I remember that scene now. Yeah, man. Stay the fuck away from my family. Yeah, you know, daddy's home now, so you don't need to come back through here. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, I'm just trying to help you. Don't ever bite the hand of someone who's feeding you. See you later, Santa Claus. Meanwhile, I, last I knew, I didn't ask for your help, okay? Exactly. Uh, but now that I know, stay away from my house. Because if I catch you knocking on this door again without my invitation, we're going to have a serious problem. There's plenty of women. I, women like a bus. Every, every five minutes, there's another bus coming. You know what? I'm going to be honest with you. I'm 48 years old. I'm too old to be chasing after Kitty, okay? I'm at a point where now Kitty chases me. I ain't got time to be up there. Yo, baby, yo, baby. I ain't got time for all that. I'm like, hey, how you doing, sister? Good to meet you. You know, if we're vibing, great. If not, you know what? That's her loss, you know, because I know who and what I am. I'm self-aware of the kind of person I am and what I bring to a table. You know, fortunately, though, I have a good woman. And, you know, we have our understanding of how things are and whatever. And, you know, at the end of the day, I'm not chasing after him because I, I know what I got at home. You know, you just, uh, something to break up the monotony. You know, that's pretty much it. There ain't going to be no love. There ain't going to be no relationship. You know, I mean, if we become cool people and we can play some chess and smoke a little, great. But, uh. It's whatever, sweetheart. I ain't got time for them games, you know. In fact, before I got on, the, got on this interview, I was looking at a group, and they were talking about how this female said she had seven children, and she's looking for somebody to pamper her and her children. And now, uh, see, I'm too old for that. You know, I ain't got time for them games. So, yeah. Nah, don't, don't, yeah, don't. The people killing over stupidity. I'm sorry? You know, jealous lovers killing because they're jealous. No, is it really worth it to go to prison for the rest of your life you can, where you can get another woman? And then on top of that, while you're in prison, she's up there doing whatever, whatever, you know? So then who the, who's yeah. the real? No, the only yeah. people who haven't made are the, are the, one, the, the gay murderers because they're gay anyway, so they don't care. They're just going to have, have a festival in prison. Right, right. <laughs> in fact, it's funny, it's funny you say that because uh, I have a friend right now um, <laughs> Me and her used to, you know, kick the bubble and whatnot. And now she's dating somebody else. All right, which is cool. I'm still going to be, you're a friend with me, you're, you got a friend for life. Until you do something really, really stupid. Okay, fine. But uh, they, they came up to, they came with me to Newcastle for a couple of my shows in Newcastle and whatnot, you know. And she said that she would ride me to my, to help me kick off my tour in Newcastle on the 30th. But now they got into a little domestic, blah, 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 you know, and he's on Facebook talking bad. I'm sticking up for her. He getting mad. You know, he, 
all kinds of weird drama. And I'm like, I can't have that right now because I'm scared that he might pull that. Well, we ain't going, even though it's her car or whatever, you know, she's with that. Well, I got to do what I can to please my man, even though that he's doing me dirty. And I I don't need that bad juju on my tour, you know, to get the tour started off with. So I just recently got that to where the way where I don't have to depend on him or that kind of thing. But yeah, just boyfriends. And I say all this saying that just boyfriend. And I used to be one. That's a sign of weakness. You know, that's a sign of weakness. If obviously you had something enough, you had something about you that she was willing to say yes to you and she's kicking it with you and y'all living together and all that stuff, you know. And if you're not if you're not aware of who and what you are and and what you have, then you're gonna have problems. And it had nothing to do with who it ain't gonna have nothing to do with who saying what to her. It ain't got nothing to do with who saying what to her. It's all about how you treat her and how you carry yourself in a relationship. And I'm trying, to, I'm trying to explain that to him. But he on some uh, craziness. And, and then on top of that, he's also, uh, what's the word for it? He's on the down low behind her back. And oh, it's a hot mess. And see, if, you can, if you're not mature enough to be in a relationship, you know, you're too old for the drama. You know, I can see you in your teens and your 20s. But you like 30, 40 years old, you're too old for that. You know, she's too old for that. So I mean, relationships it's a fickle relationships are a fickle thing, you know. If you're not if you're not aware of yourself first, then you're not gonna be able to succeed in anything you do. Yeah, you gotta love yourself first. Yes, because if you don't love yourself, who will? Nobody. They, they can't you- pump you up. And people are only gonna put people are only gonna do what you allow them to do. Yeah, you're right. You know, I had to find that out. Um, I was married for 15 years at one time, many many moons ago, and you know, uh, <laughs> she and then after, she even said to herself, "I'm your starter wife." You know, we're not gonna <laughs> last forever. You know, I mean, we're gonna enjoy the time we have together, but I'm batting practice. And she was right. She had three children while we was married, you know, um, which is cool because, you know, I love them to death and everything. But uh, she was right. Uh, she was batting practice. And now that we got older, she kind of, I want to say, lost her mind, so to speak. You know, um, and I'm going one way, she's going another way, so... Maybe it wasn't. Maybe she did see. Maybe she, maybe she did know what she was talking about. You know, and okay, fine. <laughs> you know, look, people outgrow each other. That's why they people renew their vows. I think the average relationship expires after twenty years. Yeah, yeah, but see, then, then again, it also got to be about what are you willing to do to keep the relationship going? What are you willing to do to keep the fire burning? You know, that kind of thing. And then also, you got to be friends first. I'm not talking friends with benefits. And I think that's why we got started. Because when me and uh, my first wife got together, um, it started out as a a booty call. And somehow the booty call evolved into a full-blown out relationship, blah, blah, blah. Next thing I know, we get married in our backyard, blah, blah, blah. And yeah, boom, that whole saga. <laughs> Whichever way it goes, whatever it's like a mushroom, you know. It, it, whatever, whatever way the river flows. 
and I also found out in a relationship, you gotta make sure you get along with the family. You know, yeah. with her family, because again, and then also you gotta find out. I found out that not everybody was not everybody was raised the same way. You know, um, case in point where again, uh, my ex-wife, you know, where my family was very conservative-ish. Her family is straight hood, straight gangster, you know. That don't go well sometimes. Or, you know, um, where, or even now in the, my present, my present situation, where I met my wife, she, she's not from Pittsburgh, she's from up north. And there okay. was a time we, we lived up north with her and her family for a while. Uh, first of all, I'm a city boy. Once you get past Boston, it's pretty much countryside. And it's cold, <laughs> you know. Um, and they do things different up there than we do down here, you know. Also, she's from one different background. I'm from, you know, they're more country, uh, urban, uh, rural area, and I'm, I'm, city, urban, hood, you know. But oddly enough, we make it work. Um, so you again, you have to. You have to know what you're getting yourself into. You have to know the family. You have to know, you know, okay, well, when you go to certain family funerals, they don't pray in that funeral or that kind of thing. Or, you know, certain families on Christmas, they don't celebrate Christmas or whatever, you know. And you need to find this out in the beginning before it gets, you get too caught up in your feelings or, you know, somebody, there's a baby that comes up. You know, you got, you got to really know somebody. And... But see, how do you get to know somebody? You have to go through stuff to see what you have to go through experiences. You have to find out when you go through an experience with somebody, that's when you find out who and what they are and what they are capable of doing. You know, again, I was blessed to have a partner that is very knowledgeable about things. She's very strong back. You know, she got a very strong backbone. She's kind hearted, you know, and she's no dummy. <laughs> so, I mean, I, you know, I. I got lucky on that one. Yeah, and it seems like she gives you plenty of uh, lee- leeway, plenty of freedom to explore your artistic self. Yeah, she um, she'll be the first to tell me, uh, uh-uh, uh, this don't work. That that's not you. This, you know, or what she's really good at. I'm like, honey, the deep pants match this shirt, and she's like, uh, uh-uh, uh, that's nah. You're overdressed for that venue. Try something else. You know, all right, we'll go back to the drawing board. Yeah, it sounds like you have a good, uh, good partnership there. Um, let me ask this question. You had done one skit in the King of Words, Weird Shit about going to the bank and, and stealing Viagra. No. Uh, OK. The one skit where I went to the, I go to the bank and I pushed the lady over because she, she wanted me to help her check her balance. So I mean, uh, I pushed her over. You yeah, know. No, I'm listening, listening. And uh, the other joke was where... Um, the uh, with the crime spree, with the coronavirus having coming about, you know, there was a spike in crime, and uh, the two gentlemen they had broken into the drugstore, and they, they didn't steal no drugs, you know, they didn't take no money, they just took Viagra. So now you got the police looking for two hardened criminals. Oh, I got you. That was it. Yeah. Yes. And then right after there was another joke about uh, how, your relationship after five years. You got her a scale? Yeah, I actually that was 
that was that was that was bits and pieces of a true story. Uh, we were telling, <laughs> it was uh about a couple like a day or so before our six year anniversary, and um I told her I got her something sleek and shiny, go from zero to two fifty like that, you know. And she knows I ain't got no money. She knows I'm a struggling comedian, so she wants to know where I got the money from. And I was like, I got you a scale. You never say that to a woman. <laughs> No, never. <laughs> I do a woman. So yeah, and then uh, then yeah, there was a couple of cops come knocking on the door, talking about you got some place to go. You know, long story short, and I'm like, uh, <laughs> this, this is my place to go. Like, who have domestic violence drills? You know, we have fire drills, we have nuclear war drills. You know, we have hurricane drills, but we don't have domestic violence drills. You know, who has that? No, I know, but they happen all the time. You know. Well, see, and that's crazy because, like, especially in this t- in the little borough I live, I live in, I, I, where I live at exactly is in Duquesne, Pennsylvania, which is like maybe 10 miles away from the city of Pittsburgh. And so they got their own little police department. And, I, and these guys there, they're not the happiest people on earth. So when they come knocking on your door, they come down here with an attitude. <laughs> they looking for a reason to uh, pop you upside the head with a building club, you know, or whatever. But, um, when they say you gotta go, you gotta like it don't matter if you just been closing the washer and it's a, it's on its spin and it's on the rinse cycle, you know, you got fifteen minutes to pack up or whatever you need to pack up and get out. <laughs> and you and when you in that fifteen minutes you be like, All right, I need to go grab this, I need oh man, I need to go get this, you know, they're not trying to hear that. Get what you can get and go. <laughs> and what you said yeah. because you know, um, there's domestic violence shelters for women, okay, but there's not really none for men. Like men don't have domestic violence, and that's, I'm not, and I'm not making light of the fact that about domestic violence. But what I am saying is, in this country anyway, nine times out of ten, the police are gonna go with the female side of the story. You know, I've had one cop, <laughs> I had one cop uh, many years ago come back and try to hit on my wife. After he took me to jail, and I and she the one called it on me because no way I called on her because she was getting aggressive. I'm trying to walk away, but somehow I'm the one got handcuffed. And after he dropped me off or whatever, he came back was like, "Yeah, so uh, how about you and I?" Oh yeah, man, I was I probably complained about that, and you know he got to deal with and that that with that. You, you make know. me think of this movie with Ray Liotta where he's a, he's a cop and he's obsessed with Madeline Stowe. And he keeps right. coming around the house and trying to, you know, break through the window. And of course, you know, the end of the movie, it's a showdown between the husband and, you know, the bad guy. Right. So you maybe think about it, about a cop, you know, stalking, trying to take someone's woman from him. I mean, it happens. Yeah, it does. Art, art is an imitation of life. So, I mean, if, if it's on somebody's movie, then it happened in somebody's existence. Probably. You know. A lot of crazy things happen in history. Yes, that is true. You know, um, now I'm not, and again, I'm not, I'm not knocking on the, anybody, uh, nobody's police department or anything. There are a lot of good cops out there. God bless them. But then there are a couple of bad apples out there that ruin it for everybody. No, I know. I know it's everybody. We all eventually have our run-ins with the, and uh, oh, by the way, speaking of Newcastle, I saw you did an outdoor gig on May 
eighth. It looked like it was done like on a on steps outside. Yeah, you know what? That was that was May. I think May fifth it was, and it was it was my first time in Newcastle. Um, a buddy of mine invited me to come out. Okay, fine. It was outside. I, you know, it's not often I get a chance to perform outside, but I didn't realize it was still going to be cold on the 5th of May in Newcastle, Pennsylvania. So, you know, yeah, we was in a little amphitheater. Um, he was a young, he's a young promoter. He's, he just now getting started and whatnot. And uh, I felt I, I felt obligated to try to help him out. You know, actually, he was helping, we was helping each other out. So, yeah, I'll ride out, you know, an hour and a half drive up there because I am devoted that much to my craft. And, you know, we performed, but behind the, you know, while we wasn't on stage and behind the scenes, he was thoughtful enough to have like a gas heater or a propane tank for the, for the, for the comments. And we sit there huddled around, passing a joint around, uh, around the propane heater. It was, you know, I had a good time that day. It was a good show. You know, Newcastle showed me some love there, there. And, I was like, anytime you need to come out, you know, call me. Just let me know ahead of time, and I'm I'm there. So, and you know, I've yeah. been going back to Corp ever since. Pennsylvania can be cold. That's why I never wanted to live there. Even though it's cheaper, um, it, it's very cold there most of the year. It's cold, but again, it's not as cold as, as it was when I lived in New England. I mean, out of New England area, we lived in New Hampshire and Maine for like 13 months. And uh, I remember the 4th of July, I'm in Sanford, Maine, barbecue with a turtleneck and scarf. You know, oh, it was that cold. You know, um, it ain't started getting warm up that way to like the second week in August. And you had like a, a heat wave, in my opinion, a heat wave for like two weeks, maybe three, then probably like the second week, or the first week of September, it started getting cold again. Oh, man. That's when I thawed myself out. Now it's cold all over again. But, you know, I like living up there for the most part because, you know, they had some nice sunrises and we got a chance to go out to the beach when we had a chance, you know, every so often. And I met some interesting people up there. But uh, it's a nice place to visit. But if you're from the city, <laughs> stay living in the city, you know. <laughs> Don't you, you know what I'm saying? You got to be a real adventurous person to go all the way up north, relocate up north, and try to live that lifestyle because it's a whole lot different. And then also, I'm a Steeler fan, black and gold all day. So you up in New England territory with Tom Brady and um, at the time when he was playing for the Patriots. Uh, whenever the Steelers won, I would go to work with my chat. I had a shirt. That's it. Ice or grass will kick your ass. And they had like the baseball <laughs> championships, the football championships and the hockey championship, and they would get mad with me. Oh, you think you're all there because you're from Pittsburgh, and oh, man, whatever, man. Y'all mad because we won and y'all lost or whatever, you know. Um, and it's funny because, like, my first week up there, uh, this one guy came up to me, he was like, hey, Pittsburgh, and I hate when people call me that, but okay, what's up? Uh, you ever been to the, uh, the uh, Steeler games? Yeah, a couple of times. Do they have commercials like they do on TV? I was like, really? No, they just, there's people just standing around. They don't really, like, when y'all go to commercial on TV, we don't, they don't do commercials like that. I couldn't believe he asked me that, but okay, <laughs> you know, it's whatever, you know. Um, I remember one time, 
I work for this place called MF Bluing, and they make like displays or different types of things. And uh, my one assignment was to uh, make ring boxes or lock boxes for rings for the Patriots when they won the Super Bowl. So uh, Tom Brady's come down, and what I did, and this is between us, <laughs> what I did was I grabbed this box, and uh, I had my Steelers sweatshirt on under my uh, my work clothes. I rubbed the uh, I rubbed the ring box on my sweatshirt, you know. Then I picked my nose and put it in the far corner of the um of the plastic box where nobody could see it, you know. And then I got scratched my butt and smeared it on the bottom part, and then I sent it down the line. Now, it must have done something because he didn't win the Super Bowl that year. He got, he got MVP, well, that's fine, but he didn't win the Super Bowl. So I got to try that again. <laughs> yeah, that, that was a good one, uh, even though a lot of folks are happy that he uh, he showed uh, uh, Bill uh, – what's this, Bill Parlett? Bill Bill yeah, he showed him down recently. Well – I see again, football changed over the years when you know, when I was growing up. You know, I grew up with the um oh excuse me. Oh, excuse me. So I just choked down a whole lot of soda now I got soda oh, bubbles in my Oh, that's but, bad. Do you need to pass gas or something? A burp, you feel sick. <laughs> but if football changed over the years, like I grew up watching Rocky Blyer, Franco Harris, Terry Brash, or Lynn Swan. You know, I grew up with this the Steelers this the dynasty of the 70s, you know, and then in the 80s, they had, uh, it was the 49ers, you know, and then in the 90s, it was a whole bunch of other teams. You know, this new millennial football, I ain't used to it. I mean, even though it's 2021, it's not the same football that I knew coming up, you know. Yeah, you know, I, I don't like commercial footballs. Too many breaks, and I, I like to watch a game. It's annoying. They keep breaking all the time. Right, right, right. Um. That's like the Super Bowl. You know, do you watch the Super Bowl for the game or do you watch the Super Bowl for the commercial? Or even most the people watch, Most people watch for the commercials, you know? Yeah, because I read somewhere in the one Super Bowl for a 30-second advertisement, they were paying $1.2 billion for a 30-second spot. That's a I lot of money. I guess, folks, I, I, maybe they're not, I'm not watching what they're watching. What they wa- find interesting, I find like reality shows, Super Bowl commercials. I think these people are very uh, simple-minded. Well, one thing, people are, in, people are very easily influenced. You know, I've noticed that. As a, as a lot of people, there's a lot of go with the crowd, go with go what everybody else is doing. Very few people would like want to walk their own path. So yeah. whatever the new end thing is, that's what they're going for now. You know, that's like technology, you know. Technology, when you buy cell phones, you know, I remember when they had the, the, the flip phones and all, you know, the little Blackberries and whatnot. Now these phones are so expensive, like that's $1,000. That's a down payment on a used car, you know. <laughs> you know. It's materialism. Right. But I, I, I swear, if they raise the phone price up any more, I'm gonna go back to a a payphone and start using them from now on. If you can if find I, one, yeah. You know, I had uh, a friend of mine's child the other day was like, "What's?" We were watching a movie, and then I forget the movie was called. And the guy went to use a payphone. He was like, "What is that?" I said, "Payphone." You know, they used to, and she couldn't understand the concept that people have to pay a quarter, sometimes fifty cents, to make a phone call. 
they, they didn't understand that concept, but you know, that's how we grew up sometimes, you know. Uh, and then in Pittsburgh, I don't know about other cities, there'd be sometimes where you'd be on a pay, be by a payphone, and the payphone would ring, okay. And me being goofy, I'll answer the phone, and you got some uh, weird guy on the phone talking about, you want to come over so I can do this, that, and the third to you? Oh, heck no, Clint. You know, there's always some weird guy. Never some, never some lady talking about, hey, honey, I'm bored. I'm lonely. Why don't you come keep me company? You know, there's always some weird guy calling, talking about, can I do this? And, yeah, yeah. Well, that's why wherever you go, it's a sausage festival. So that's why I stay home. Too many sausages yeah. out there. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> <laughs> now, but, um, again, not yeah. saying nothing about me, you know what I'm saying? If you're, into, if you're into that kind of thing, hey, you know what I'm saying? God bless you. But, you know, again, not everything for everybody. No, I, I, but my feelings get kind of hurt sometimes when some, someone's gay and they're, they're after me and suddenly they're not interested in me and they like somebody else. I kind of take it personally, you know? You know, it, it's funny because <laughs> I've got hit on my many gay guys, you know, and they, they come up with oh, cute and blah, blah, blah. And don't get, don't get it twisted. Gay guys are great guys to hang out with. They'll smoke you up. They'll drink you up. And all they want you to do is accept them for who they are. That's fine. But I let everybody know from the door. This ain't happening. Now, we can still kick the bobo and we can smoke them, whatever. But uh, what you think we going to happen ain't going to happen. As long as you keep that real with them, they are right with that. You know? Now, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's not that. Whatever. It's for them. For them. Dave Chappelle's under a lot of fire because of his. Uh, uh, Netflix special, and and all honestly, I don't see what the the real hoopla is about. I mean, to me, it was a if you re- if you really listen to the uh, listen to his special, it was like a tribute to his friend that used to be a writer or that opened up for him. I think the whole thing was a big tribute to his friend. Seeing people are not seeing that they just saw him, they just felt that he was gay bashing and dis bashing or whatever. And it really wasn't that, you know. So uh, all he said was get in line. If you're a tranny, get in line. Don't cut the line. There are women who have been waiting for 30 years and you're cutting the line and suddenly you're a woman of the year. Yeah, that's like Bruce Jenner. You know, Bruce Jenner yeah. was, <laughs> was uh, one of the most decorated Olympic athletes of all mankind. You know, he was on the box of Wheaties. Now he's yeah. talking about my, my name is Caitlin and Blase. And I Again, I, I'm not bashing or anything, but I don't think he made an attractive woman. You know, I just don't see it. That's just my opinion. I mean, you know, again, you know, God's be- uh, everybody's beautiful in God's eyes, and there's somebody for everybody. But I want to know what made you feel that you become a woman. You, I mean, come on, you're Bruce Jenner. You won like 100 billion gold medals. You was on Wheaties, and now you're talking about you want. Be on a, uh, now you want me uh, uh, do commercials for stockings? I mean, what are you trying to do here? You know, I'm confused. Uh, you know, but then again, it, it's that Me Too cancel culture. You know, like now they want to take off. They want to take off the Uncle Ben icon, and they want to change Mrs. Butterworth and all that. Okay, all that's fine. But if you want to go that far, what about Miss? What about Miss Piggy? You know, when I was growing up. Every time I turned around, Miss Piggy always went smacking coming upside the head, you know, and all that stuff. <laughs> Ain't nobody talking about that. And what about Burton Ernie? For 45 some odd years, you seen Burton Ernie, 
You ain't never seen him talking about, yo, man, we're going to go kick it with this girl. And don't even burnt and on it. You can't tell me they wasn't gay. You know, and we, we're going to do that. Let's go all the way with it. Yeah, I know. We've become overly sensitive as a society. In fact, they got super. They, they got the new Superman. Uh, the new Superman coming out. He's bisexual. Now, I, okay, I got nothing against bisexual men or whatnot. But couldn't y'all could just create a new character just for that purpose? Why you gotta go mess with Superman? He ain't bothering nobody. You know that kind of thing. You know, Batwoman come out. She's a lesbian. Okay, great. She's a new character. She's Batwoman. She's not Batgirl. She's Batwoman. All right, fine. We can go with that. I can go with that. But when you start changing from him dating Lois Lane to him down kissing on some guy, first of all, if I was Lois Lane, I'd be kind of upset, you know. you going to leave me for a dude. So, I mean, I just think they should have came out with a whole different character just for that purpose. That's just me. I mean. No, you're right. Um, uh, that's just you. Yeah. Well, look, the pendulum swings. There's a lot of radical things going on. You know, uh, with with cancel culture, right, right. I, I and, mean, and, it's a long time coming. I will, I will, I will give you that. Um, if you're not willing to change, then you're going, and he's not willing to change and accept new philosophies and appreciate new mindsets and whatnot, then you're going to be stagnant. I get that, but some things just don't need to be messed with. Yeah. And regarding Dave Chappelle, OK, he was always doing this. OK, if you remember back in the day when he said that, like, white people are are screwed up when you get effed up with them. How remember right. we took a carrot and put it up Dave's ass. Right, right, right. He already doing that. He was so popular. You know, people didn't hear what he was saying. It was the same thing. Just making fun of a, in a gay. And now, all of a sudden, he's on the headlines. Again. Comedy is a matter of interpretation. And then I, I kind of think that y'all make people are making it bigger than what it is. If it's so if it's such a if it's such a disturbance to you, don't watch it. You know? If you if you don't like it and then it's not for you, okay, don't watch it. But to sit here and talk about have them pulled off Netflix or whatever. No, just don't don't watch it. That's all. You if you know he's on Netflix, don't watch Netflix. Then that's all plain and simple. And I'm not saying bad Netflix. I'm not saying none of that. But what I'm saying is, you know, he's doing his thing. You only yeah. find it funny that's not for you. And leave it at that. He couldn't take the bullshit. He went. I think he went to Africa for a year just to get away from all the crap here. Yeah, that's uh, see now he barely means I think. I'm not going to walk away for $50 million. I'm not walking away <laughs> for dollars if I can help it. But I'm not walking away for $50 million. You know, I would took that money and probably did some more good for the community or whatever. But just to walk away, like, dude, <laughs> you don't get $50 million every day. I don't care who you think you are. You know, that's just me. Uh, money, was, everything. money was destroying him. The culture was destroying him. Again, that's what you allow to happen. You know, but then again, I I ain't got no money. So, you know, I guess $50 million would mean more to me than it would mean to him, you know. So, yeah, that, was his, that was his choice. And, you know, God bless him for it. I'm glad to see him back on the scene, though, because uh, we got a lot of comedians passing. And that's another reason why I came to comedy and come back into comedy, because there's room for me to take over, you know. 
You have recently Norm McDonald passed away. Uh, Red Fox is gone. Richard Pryor is gone. Sam Sam Kennison is gone. George Carlin is gone. There's room out there to take over. I know. I, I think the same thing. Every time a comic dies, it's terrible. I think, oh, there's an open slot. Robert Harris is gone. You know, he, <laughs> and it was yeah. funny. It was funny. I, I, I'm making that as a joke, but it happens where if, when I, no, not if, but when I get bigger than what I am now, I'm scared to uh, leave that. I'll be scared to leave the house because I mean, in the middle of my prime, then I, I'm dying in a cr- plane crash like Richie Valens or I have a heart attack like Robin Harris did, you know? <laughs> so, I, do I really want to be in this big comic that I'm drink I'm aspiring to be, or do I just want to stay local and be healthy? <laughs> well, I don't know. If you think maybe you got, if you know you're going to die in ten years anyway, might as well just become famous and join your last ten years being famous. That's what I think. Yeah, yeah, that's true. I mean, if you're going to live, if you're going to die, if you know you're dying, you might as well live like you, you know, you might as well live your life anyway. So just to the end, does, is this almost like going to prison when you're seven years old? Or they got me for murder. I'm seven years old anyway. Three hots and a cut. Right. So you might, as well, <laughs> you might as well make the best of it. You might as well, you might as well make an impact while you're here. Absolutely. And that's I would like to, I would like to make a positive impact when people. Well, you're you're just stand. We all stand in our own way. If you really want the fame, you'll get it. Like I, I personally have inner conflicts. I, I have a conflict of privacy versus fame, and I own up to it. So if you have that conflict, you know it's possible. It's not really the fame. In all honesty, I just want to do a love scene with Taraji P Henson. That's what I would like to do. I just want like to oh. do. I like to do a love scene with Taraji P. I want her to say, "I hate you, Ricky." I'm like, "Yeah, you know you're playing. Oh, come over here, you know." That's what one of my little fantasies is to do a love scene with Taraji P and maybe smoke a blunt with Mariah Carey, you know. <laughs> you, you're talking about uh, Agent Carter. You ever seen Detective Carter? Yeah, yeah, I think yeah. that. And when that member she dies, they play that song by Johnny Cash, Everybody Hurts Sometimes. Yeah, but my favorite movie from her, I think, would be Proud Mary. I liked her in Proud Mary. And wasn't she some couple or like like these two couples, four couples go out to some cabin in the winter to explore their relationships or some shit? I don't think I've seen that one. <laughs> or maybe confusing with other movie. I don't know. Yeah, but she's a beautiful woman. Yeah, very talented too. And she could Great sing. Time. Really? Yeah, she um when they did the movie Hustle and Flow with uh Terrence Howard, he had another fine. You know, it's hard. Yeah, that's her. That's her, that's her real voice in the background. That, oh, really? All the music you hear. Yeah, that's him rapping for real. That's her in the background singing. You know, um, that, that was actually a good CD. And when I first heard about Terrence Howard, like I seen the first his first couple of movies, he always sounded like to me like he was about to break down and cry. If you like, if you watch his early movies, he sounded like he was about to cry. You know. But he's again, he's a good actor. I respect him for what he. I liked him in Empire. From what I saw, Empire, I didn't really watch too much of it because that just the time slot. I wasn't available to watch it. But uh, when them two get in a movie, it's always a or a project. It's always a good project. I always like to watch them together performing. Yeah, but did you ever see him in Dead Presidents? He was in Dead Presidents. 
Yes, he got his ass kicked. Well, first he beat up Lorenz Tate, but then Lorenz Tate came after Vietnam and beats the shit out of him with a pool stick. I got to check that out. Man. <laughs> I'm gonna do, when I get off of here, I'm going to have to see that because we're going to have movie night. And it's going to be the whole the whole soundtrack is Curtis Mayfield. Yeah. I am blind and I cannot see. Right on for the darkness. Right on for the darkness. Yeah, Curtis. See, my daughter don't know who Curtis Mayfield is. I, I'll find him <laughs> last night. Who's this? I'm like, please. I failed you as a parent. <laughs> if it's not hip hop or, again, when I grew up, we grew up, we grew up in the MTV era. Yeah. Martha yeah. Quinn. Mark Goodman. Who else had a Kurt, Kurt, what's his name? Schroeder. Alan Hunter. Yeah, downtown Judy Brown. See, I grew yes. up. Yeah, I grew up with, uh, uh, what's it called? Um, BET. Video songs, <laughs> video LP. You know, I I was uh, I was a teenager on Friday nights. We sit there and watch Friday night videos. You know, from eleven thirty to five o'clock in the morning. Nowadays, you know, if you want to watch a video, you have to go on YouTube or whatnot. Uh yeah, yeah. It, it was different back then. Yeah, yeah. So I got, you know, uh, Again, Casey Kasem, uh, classic American 40, top 40s, and they were playing a song on the radio. I was like, I remember when we used to uh, take the song off the radio, we would pick the, have the pause button down, and as soon as the song came on, we'd you know, press the pause button. Sometimes you catch a commercial, sometimes you didn't. <laughs> you know, they don't know that. They don't, they don't understand those struggles back in the day. No, everything's visual and graphic. Back it was all audio, and back in your t- in our time, right, right, right. Everything now digital. That's what I'm saying. Who doesn't do the radio anymore? It's hard to get a good station once in a while, but you know you can. You know, yeah, I'm sure. But anything, I probably if any radio I do listen to is like sports talk radio, but I haven't listened to that in a while either. So, um, yeah, I mean, most of it's, it's kitchen sink gossip. They don't really they're not really talk about the game. They're talking about gossip most of the time. And, and we talk about the same stuff. Yeah, issues. So, and, and, like, okay, if, uh, let's say, Big Ben got hurt, for the next two weeks, every show we're going to talk about is Big Ben getting hurt. You know, forget the rest of the team. <laughs> you know, Big Ben, Big Ben this and Big Ben that. Me, personally, I think it's about time for him to retire, but I'm not, I, you know, I don't, that's not my call. However, when I'm playing on Matt and he's not on my squad, yeah. you know, it's like I have uh, Juju Smith-Schuster. I met him in person. I got a selfie with him. He signed my terrible towel, and then I got a picture of him, a selfie with him. However, at the last second, when I'm pressing him and we get the picture together, you know, some girl was screaming, Juju, I want to have, you know, she said, I want to have your baby or I'm having your baby. And he turned his head as soon as the picture was taken. Okay, I'll, I'll still take it. I'll still keep it. I'll add that to my collection. You know, um, however, when I met Chase Claypool, he was kind of standoffish. And I'm not saying that in a negative sense, but uh, after I met him, I didn't like his vibe. I cut him off my Madden teams. 
all my fantasy football teams. He's no longer on my fantasy football team. You know, that's just how I felt. No, you can't get along with everybody. Of course. Did you ever play football, uh, football yourself back in high school? Um, in high school, I tried to play football, but, uh, I missed it by one tenth of grade point. My grade point average wasn't all that great. Uh. Now, when I got to, uh, Job Corps, uh, 95, I played football for them. And, um, like, it was, for me, it was like ground level. I really didn't know the, the X's and O's of the game of football, but, uh, much love to Don Hoffman. He took me. He let me play on the team, and um, we, I, we, I got in. I think that year I scored three touchdowns. I played slot back or right receiver. I scored three touchdowns. Wow. <laughs> got ran- well, I mean, I, it's not like I was starting all like that, but I mean, I got lucky here and there, and uh, we won. We won the league championship, and uh, yeah, that's my football right there. You know, to uh. With the wear the shoulder pads and all that, and to go out there on the field with the team, and again to score my first touchdown, that alone three. That was like I was like Al Bundy. I scored three touchdowns one year playing football. Oh, yeah, that's my Al Bundy football story. So, yeah, I played football one year and that was it. Yeah, me too. And um, what I well, I did it more like with the discipline, Ricky, because uh, if I really if I if I if I never joined, but I think about. Being a football team, I think I probably would have done well in basic training. 